Welcome back to the Essentially You podcast. I am your host, Dr. Marisa Snyder, and I'm here to help you rock your hormones and feel great in your body so that you can reclaim more energy, vitality, and joy and become the CEO of your health. Let's jump on in. Hey, one more thing. Did you know that one of the biggest nutrient deficiencies that I see in people, especially women, is a magnesium deficiency? It's because we burn through this super mineral so quickly. Now this powerful mineral packs a massive punch because magnesium is involved in over 600 reactions in the body. Now it is your best friend if you need more energy, better sleep, a faster metabolism, improved digestion, and not to mention happier periods. And you can quickly replenish your magnesium levels with my essentially whole magnesium restore supplement made with my favorite form of magnesium, magnesium glycinate. Use promo code podcast and get 10% off your entire order at drmarisa.com slash magnesium. Now I'll have the link in the show notes for this episode to make it easy. Go and try it out today. Ready to address one of the biggest elephants in the room for women when it comes to dieting which is why do they almost always fail us? Why does all that effort that we put into seem to never pay off? A vast majority of women that I work with, including myself, have experienced or will experience partial or total failure while dieting. Now, I'm not saying this to discourage you from trying, but statistically speaking, diets tend to fail 85% or more of the time. But that feeling that you get when a diet just isn't working or that nagging feeling of, Why am I not seeing any results when I'm doing everything right? Well, that's actually a legitimate feeling or concern that most women, if not all women, share, right? Because diets fail. Now, odds are it is not your fault. You are doing everything right. Unfortunately, there's a much deeper, more complex systemic reason why this keeps happening to you and to all of us. But before I get into all of that today, I just want to take a moment and share that we are hosting, that I'm hosting, a 500-episode giveaway, and I just don't want you to miss out. As a way of celebrating 500 episodes here on the Essentially You podcast this week, we have a seven-day giveaway that will be running until Friday, March 10th. Now, I'm going to be giving away $500 worth in prizes, including Apple AirPod Pros, my Women's Hormone Complete Kit featuring five of my mega best-selling supplements, and my Women's Essential Kit plus my EO Menopause Solution book. Over $500 in prizes, and I will be announcing three winners on Tuesday, March 14th after the giveaway is done. Now, all you got to do to enter to win is to subscribe to the show and review this podcast on iTunes or whatever platform you love tuning into, and then you're going to submit your name and info to the link drmarisa.com slash 500 giveaway. That's D-R-M-A-R-I-Z-A dot com slash 500 giveaway. Now, I'm going to have the link to enter to win in the show notes for this episode 502. And again, not only is this going to help you win some epic prizes, but also the intention of this show is to get in front of more women. And one of my goals is to get to a thousand reviews on iTunes. Right now I'm at 730, so freaking close. And I know the more reviews we have, the more women will tune in and really discover how their bodies work and how they can become the CEO of their health. So I'm super excited about this, and I can't wait for you to enter the giveaway to win some epic prizes. All right, let's get back to it. Now today, I'm going to explain exactly what, why diets fail. I'm going to get into the nitty gritty, as well as show you what you can do to overcome those odds today and get the results that you want and deserve. So buckle up and enjoy the ride. 
First things first, calories in versus calories out isn't real. Before we get into all the reasons, I just want to bust this long-standing, exhausted, hired myth that dieting is simply calories in versus calories out. It's not that simple. It never was. The model of calories in versus calories out that many of us are familiar with is flawed, and it doesn't consider the complex hormonal and biochemical pathways involved in energy production, muscle mass, body composition, weight gain, liver function, gut health. I mean, there's so many things to consider here. For instance, every food we consume at different times of the day and in different combinations can lead to unique hormonal responses in the body. And it's these hormones, in particular insulin as a major player, that determine what happens to the food molecules once broken down by the digestive system and how efficiently they are processed. What's more, different individuals can have highly variable glucose responses to the same foods regardless of calorie content. So I just want to give an example here. I'm going to use black coffee as an example. Because you hear a lot that you can drink black coffee or black tea when you are in a fasted state, right? When you're doing intermittent fasting, like in the morning. But here's the thing, is that it depends on the individual. Like right now I'm wearing a CGM, as I do many times during the year. And I'm so happy to know that I still don't have a glucose response to coffee. But for a lot of people, it is. And I will tell you right now, if you drink black tea or black coffee and your blood sugar goes up, you break that fasted state. You're not in a fasted state anymore because now your blood sugar is on the rise. So it just really depends. There's a lot of factors that go into just simply drinking black coffee. Now, black coffee in the morning without food may raise your blood sugar, may or may not, who knows. But then you pair black coffee with a meal and then it doesn't have that same kind of response. And so again, Every individual is different, and it's important that we measure, and I'm going to get into that in just a moment. Now I want to speak into the role of insulin because it is a mega player in this whole diet conversation. I'm going to speak into what insulin does. So insulin is released in response to glucose in the blood, and it's primary hormone involved in fat storage and weight gain. So I always talk about how insulin is a fat storage hormone. But did you know that insulin actually prevents us from breaking down fat as fuel as well, right? It can be like a double-edged sword if we are struggling with insulin resistance. So often we associate insulin with diabetes because it is a big contributor to driving diabetes. Um, But also note that insulin can be a big contributor to weight gain for everyone, diabetic or not, and really has to be tamed or put under control to successfully maintain healthy weight. One of the things I've been sharing a lot here on the show is that weight loss precedes insulin sensitivity. So in order for us to lose weight, we have to get our insulin levels back in check. Then we can start the weight loss journey. And the reason for this is insulin tells our cells to take up glucose from the blood for use or if there is excess glucose for storage. Because weight loss generally requires us to burn through fat stores We need to control our insulin to signal to the body that it should burn fat rather than store more of it. Now, when there is more glucose in the bloodstream than the body actually needs or meets that energy demand, increased insulin levels signal to the liver and muscles to store glucose in chains of glycogen, right? Triglycerides. Once the liver and muscles are filled to the brim with glycogen, sorry, with glycogen, which eventually is going to become triglycerides, that excess glucose is turned into triglycerides and sent out into the blood to be stored in fat cells around the body. You can think of the liver and muscle as short-term limited storage space for energy in the form of glycogen, 
and fat cells as long-term, essentially unlimited storage space for energy in the form of triglycerides. Now, when we're not eating, if we're in between meals, sleeping, or fasting, the lack of dietary glucose caused by insulin levels is designed to fall. This signals our body that we should burn stored energy, starting with glycogen. Once the stores of glycogen are ran out, so once we burn off that glycogen, especially in the liver, that's the last place we'll burn it off, we finally start to burn fat. Even still, we know that 85% of diets fail, and here's why. Despite the alarming statistic that 70% of Americans are overweight or obese, and nearly 50% of Americans have tried to lose weight in the past 12 months, only 15 to 20% of people who successfully lose weight can keep it off. It's not getting any easier with all of the fads, honestly, to choose from today. There's so many fad diets. There's so many different protocols. That and most of the research studies run by experts are set up to fail because they don't consider these three individual factors. One, metabolism. Two, hormones. And three, the brain. These factors lead to millions of possible combinations of results depending on your unique makeup and needs. The reality is, is our bodies have evolved to help us survive and hold on to energy in the face of starvation through a variety of complex mechanisms. Simply eating less, known as calorie deprivation, is a common approach to weight loss, but thwarts our efforts by reducing our resting metabolic rate, right? When we stop eating, your body goes into survival mode and holds on to everything. And when the body senses an environment of food scarcity, it uses energy more efficiently and reduces its use of stored energy. So it holds on to fat. This translates to fewer calories expended per day. Now, the type of foods we eat after losing weight also seem to affect our ability to maintain weight loss. A study showed that people who adhere to a low-carbohydrate eating plan after weight loss burn, so like 200 kilocalories per day than those on higher-carbohydrate diets, and for those with the highest insulin secretion at baseline who subsequently adhere to low-carbohydrate diets, that difference widens to 400 kilograms kilocalories per day. The brain is also affected by diet in ways that promotes weight gain. When we are calorie deprived, we see increased brain activity that leads to increased attention, reward, and motivation related to food. In other words, calorie deprivation leads us to becoming more hyper-focused on obtaining food. Our brain starts craving and starts driving a lot more of those behaviors to eat more food. Now, hormones including those beyond insulin, play another major role as well, right? Leptin is our appetite-inhibiting satiety hormone and is secreted by fat cells in response to eating. Its levels also increase as fat mass increases. Leptin levels to the brain to inhibit food intake, to prevent overconsumption of dietary energy and suppressing insulin production to discourage further fat storage in favor of fat burning. That's what leptin does when it's healthy, right? It signals to the brain to stop insulin production and discourages further fat storage. However, when we start to see people gaining weight or even obese patients with higher levels of leptin due to a higher level of fat mass, they may suffer leptin resistance, thought to be due to reduced transport of leptin across the blood-brain barrier. Higher insulin levels are also thought to lead to leptin resistance, preventing appetite inhibition and leading to a cycle of increased weight gain. So given all that, right, the complexity of all of our hormones and everything that's going on regarding blood sugar and leptin levels, how do we learn to understand our body's needs and start actually burning fat? Well, the goal of weight loss is to burn excess fat stored by mobilizing it and bringing it to parts of the body that can actually use it for fuel. 
that is not the belly, right? We want to bring it to like our muscles. We want we want to we want to make sure that our body's actually utilizing it. It's important to note that high insulin levels in the blood means less ability to burn fat. And that's why it's so critical to maintain metabolic flexibility, which basically is just a means that your body knows exactly how and when to use fat for fuel, but can easily switch to carbs or glucose for energy running optimally at all times. So basically you have the ability to constantly switch on and off fat burning to sugar burning because your body knows inherently how to do it and and is really efficient at doing it. In other words, your body primarily burns fat for energy, stores only a small amount of excess fat from carbs and uses carbs efficiently when eaten. So I highly encourage you to check out episode number 422 to learn about how to become more metabolically flexible. Yeah, as you are determining which foods to eat, it's so important to understand and control your glucose levels. Knowing how you respond to different foods is really the key to success. And that is why I am wearing a CGM right now and wearing it all the time, pretty much all the time. Now, glucose levels, the reason why this matters, tends to mirror insulin responses. So if you know how much a food raises your blood sugar, then you have a more robust understanding of your body's predicted exposure to insulin and therefore gain a sense of whether the body is likely to be in fat storage mode or fat burning mode. So if your blood sugar is all over the place and it's it's just up and down, you're on the roller coaster, most likely you are going to be in fat storage mode. Now that's not the case in all instances, but just note that if blood sugar is high, definitely insulin resistance in that moment or insulin raised insulin levels are going to be high too because insulin is responding to that glucose load. Now, you may be quick to think that we should eat as few carbs as possible and stick to high fat foods to decrease insulin and lose fat and weight quicker. This is definitely a part of the puzzle, but only a small part of the puzzle. It's important to remember that many complex carbohydrates and healthy protein sources can help our bodies function optimally and will probably not generate significant glucose or insulin spikes. That's why I recommend eating lots of veggies and healthy protein sources as well. That's why I'm not just touting a keto protocol at all. It it really is about eating foods that are going to support your entire metabolic health. So considering all of this, how could someone possibly know their day-to-day diet and how it affects their glucose levels if they don't have access to their glucose data? Well, the answer is simple. They cannot. You just can't do it. That's why I recommend getting a CGM or one of those glucose meters at CVS. They are a much cheaper option, like they're super cheap. And if you do get a glucose meter or a CGM, the most important number of the day is your fasting blood sugar when you wake up. So you always want to be looking at that because the optimal range is 70 milligrams per deciliter to, I would say, 85 milligrams per deciliter. Like that's an optimal great range. And if you do get a glucose meter, Um, Try to get one with a keto meter as well because the best times to measure both of those is right when you wake up and right before your first meal. So just be thinking about that. Like, And there's definitely different times of our cycle where it makes sense to be on like a green keto kind of protocol, but it's rarely something that we can do sustainably and it's rarely something that we should do every single day of our cycle, just something to consider. Now, if you want to go and learn about how to create the framework around building metabolically healthy meals and stay on track no matter where you are starting from, I would highly recommend checking out episode 383, How to Build Metabolically Healthy Meals. Remember, there's a lot that goes into this because we want to be sure that we're eating in a way that works for our metabolism, our hormones, and our blood sugar. 
And again, we never really want to focus too hard on calories because it's just, it's not, it's not going to get us what we want. So I want you to go and check out episode 383. Also go and check out the episode I was talking about earlier, episode 422, about how to become more metabolically flexible, because that is literally the name of the game. The more that we understand how our body responds to the foods that we eat, the more that we know that we can be in a state of metabolic flexibility, the better. The other device that I really love in terms of knowing metabolic flexibility is Lumen. Lumen is a, you, you breathe into it and it actually looks at, on a scale of one to five, five one being your, your fat burning, five being that you're mostly sugar burning, um, three in the middle, meaning that you're a combination of both, can really give you a great sense of what's going on. So I use my Lumen multiple times a day to kind of show me where I'm at. Am I mostly carb burning? Am I mostly fat burning? And I find that to be so helpful. It's, it's very, it kind of gives me different kind of information um, than a CGM. And, you know, I, I love that. I love to be able to take information from a couple different places and kind of figure out, okay, what is working best for my body? So again, my recommendation is go and check out those episodes and be sure before you go to subscribe and rate and review the podcast to be entered into the giveaway. So it was so fun to be here with you again. And I look forward to our next episode together. Bye.